Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The title of my sermon today is Future in So I want you to receive the words that you're hearing, you know, with your heart and with your spirit and with your mind. Then we add fasting from tomorrow again. Ah, you must make progress this year. The devil is in trouble. Amen, somebody. The title of this sermon is Futuring, Taking Tomorrow Today. Futuring, Taking Tomorrow Today. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15 and from verse 5, it says, Then the Lord took Abraham outside. He took him where? I, I like that because, you see, this speaks of exposure. You see, the reason why some people don't desire more in their life is because they've not gone out enough. And so there is something we call local championship. <laughs> you are the best in your village. You know, best in your vicinity. Go out and see what people are doing. If you think you are too young, it's because you've not gone out. If you think you are too old, it's because you've not gone out. I don't like to use natural examples for spiritual things, but I was reading, you know, years ago, and much to my amazement, Jeff Bezos, who is either first or second richest man in the world right now, you know, at the age of 30, he had nothing much to say about his career. Are you aware that everything people celebrate about him today started after his 30s, after his 30th birthday? If you think time has passed you by, you've not gone out. Go and see what people have done with the latter part of their years. If you think you are too young, you still haven't gone out as well. So sometimes God pushes you to see things from a different perspective. He takes you outside and then he makes you look up. Look at the stars, see if you can count them. These are the number of children that I will give you. You see, some of us, the reason we don't desire more, you know, is because of the successes, the small successes that we have. Sometimes God's best is interrupted by God's good. I know there are some things that are already working in your life, some things that are already happening in your life. But what if God wants to do more in and through you? And for that to happen, he has to expand your vision. And he says, son, daughter, look up. Try to tell the stars and count them. He's putting some perspective to your vision. This is the number of children I'm going to give you. And so every one of us as God's children must stand on two legs. Number one, we must be thankful. But number two, we must not be complacent. Many people stand, you know, accept one extreme or the other. It is either they become so unthankful, so impatient, they no longer see anything good happening in the immediate. God doesn't want you to be like that. You should be able to see and appreciate what God is doing now. I am not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Say loud, amen, someone. But at the same time, that should not drive you to the other extreme of complacency. Push for more. He said, this is the year of the greater light. And that the path of the justice as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect day. It doesn't matter what I've done in the name of the Lord. In business, in family, there is more. Say loud, amen. amen. And that's what this sermon is about. Future and taking tomorrow today. When God wants to do something in your tomorrow, He must persuade you to have the right mindset today. When God wants to do something about your tomorrow, He must persuade you to have the right mindset today. Some of us, we are guilty of self sabotage. There are just some things that in our 
current construct that sabotage and hinder what God is set to do in our lives for many different reasons. For some of us, it's poor theology. In the church, there are two extremes. There are just some people who are so poor on evangelism, they think all there is to being Christian is celebrating the wins in the world. And then there are some other people who just stick to take the whole world and give me Jesus. And if you're not careful, you will have neither. I'm going to show you what I mean by that when I'm done. The Bible says in 3 John 2, it says, I wish above all things that you prosper and that you are in good health, even as your soul prospers. So once again, this emphasizes that success must never be at the expense of our soul. Everything is in reference to the prosperity of our soul, even as your soul prospers. So that's still top priority. But when it all comes down to it, we must be a church that emphasizes both truths. Jesus talked about this repeatedly. He said, you can't serve two masters. You must despise one to serve the other. You can't serve God and mammon. And this is so profound. And you see, unfortunately, many people don't emphasize this. But it's right there. Never motivate a people to go for more money without this training. It will kill them. Are you listening to me? So this is, before you start telling people to go for more, go for more. This is a training that they must have. There is a heart with which money must be handled. A heart. Not everyone has the heart to handle it. Have you seen people? Small influence, small money, they're not the same again. You know, but there are some people who have the largeness of heart, like Zachariah, no, like Zacchaeus, as influential as you are. You hear that Jesus, the son of a carpenter, is coming. And you climb a tree. Imagine how dramatic a sight it would have been to see an influential man, someone that you all know in the society. You just see Dangote carrying his, you know, Jalamia, you know, to climb a tree. What a sight. Hallelujah. What a sight that would be. But that's what he did. Jesus said, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world? And loses his soul. He says, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul is worth more. We must continue to emphasize that. However, as true as it is that the soul is God's uttermost desire, it is not God's soul desire. Soul prosperity is not God's soul desire for you. He says, I wish. In fact, the translators using wish, you know, try, I mean, it just minimizes the strength of that word. The word yokomai actually is translated as pray in many other instances. Because when you read I wish, you, you just see it as something fickle, something that is not really necessary but will be nice. Something luxurious. But then he says, when you, when you understand that that word can be translated, I pray. Above all things, meaning as much as anything else. This is as fervent a desire as it is for soul prosperity. That you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. You know, one of the best illustrations I've heard when it comes to handling money is the illustration of water. Water is as dangerous as it is useful. Do you reckon? According to statistics, about 4,000 people drown in the U.S. alone, yearly. On average, 4,000 people get drowned in the U.S. alone. Now, imagine if our paranoia and our phobia for water pushes us 
from acknowledging water. We just cancel water totally. No more drinking water. That would be death, wouldn't it? Or we say, no more water transportation. That would be poverty. It will make life difficult. So what do we do? We handle water knowing it's dangerous, but it can be contained. Say loud, amen. amen. So when you have water in its place, underneath the boat, it now transports the boat from place to place. But when the same water that is taking the boat to places enters the boat, the boat will begin to sink. Do you get that analogy? Now that's very powerful. So listen, money must never get into you. But if you can handle money, it becomes a powerful tool for the progress of the gospel and of positive convictions all over the world. And that's just what I'm trying to establish today. Selfless ambition is possible. That now, I want children like the sons of the seashore, not because I saw my friend with many children on social media, but because God took me by the night and said, look at the stars. See if you can count them. So when I see the relevance of greatness to the agenda of God, I now want it. Not because money has a hold of my heart, but because God has a hold of my heart. Come on, do you get what I just said? Because God has a hold of my heart, now I want more. For the fame of his name, for his namesake. It's possible. God wants it for you, and the earth wants it for you. You see, I don't know how we came to emphasize heaven so much in the body of Christ. Now, wait, allow me land, so I don't sound like a heretic. Jesus is coming soon, but somehow, in the eschatology of people, you know, they are preaching about end times. They portray heaven to be the final destination of man. And that's not true. Yeah, we will be in heaven for a while, but then there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And then we will come down to a new earth and we will reign with Christ forever. That's what the word of God says. That he, he, he has made us a kingdom of priests and kings and we will reign with him forever. That's what the word of God says. So where we came to heaven at last, you know, and all those things, yeah, heaven very soon, but not at last. That's not our final destination. Are you with me? And so we must quit this idea of escape. You don't want to escape. Take the whole world and give it. There's no world to take. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And even when this one rolls away, and I will tell you why it is rolling away, we are coming to a new one. So we must be comfortable taking our position as children of God on the earth. It's very important. We must be comfortable. And like I said, God wants it for us, and the earth itself wants it for us. And you're like, the earth wants it for us? What do you mean by that? Well, every parent knows this manner of speaking because there is a very popular African thing, you know, that my wife does it for my first daughter very often. When a child falls down, falls to the ground, the child doesn't just want sorry. She wants some form of retribution. So you might be telling the child sorry and the child is crying, but when you do this, it works for all African children. <laughs> When you take your hand and you smack either the table or the floor that the child fell against, pa, 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 and say, don't beat my daughter again, okay? And, say, and tell the floor, tell, tell my daughter sorry. You say, you see, the floor is telling you sorry. You know, it just pacifies them. You know? 
I have two daughters, and people are still arguing which one resembles who, either myself or my wife, and all of you have displayed gross disloyalty. Those of you who support my wife, I know all of you. I watch, I, I, I have marked all your tweets and all your comments. But there is something that has no argument, you know. Who acts like who? <laughs> my first daughter acts like my wife. Emotional and soft. My second daughter is me. Femme and logical. <laughs> so I remember when I went to pick her first day at school in playgroup. She was in playgroup at the time. So as I, I asked the teacher, so how was she today? She said, fine, but she, but she doesn't take nonsense. <laughs> when you say a child in playgroup, my daughter has been serious since she was six months old. Was serious. I discovered one day I was bringing her into the car and I just carried her in a way she didn't like. She just, ah, you know, the way she reacted. I said, I'm sorry, ma. <laughs> and so when we tried that same thing that works with my first daughter, she fell to the ground and she was crying. And my wife struck the floor, pa, 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 and told the floor, Tell my daughter sorry. She stopped crying and said, The floor doesn't talk. <laughs> Away. <laughs> he said, the floor doesn't talk. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Hallelujah. But there is a figure of speech called personification, where you attribute living characteristics to inanimate things where you jokingly ask the floor to say sorry. And that figure of speech is used in the Bible many times, but deeper than a figure of speech, but as a spiritual reality. When I tell you that the earth wants you as a child of God to take over, it's a spiritual reality. It's deeper than a figure of speech. Turn your Bibles, Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. Those of you at the gallery, can you hear me? Can you? All right, wave at me. All right, bless you, all right. Are you in Romans 8, 19? Read as loud as you can, one, two, go. Read it again, one to go. For the earnest expectation of the creation waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. Now, this, is, this, is, this makes no logical sense. In English, we can make sense of it because of figures of speech. But in normal, basic thinking, how can creature wait? How can trees be hopeful? How can the oceans anticipate how can creature wait for the manifestation of the sons of God? Well, the Bible not only tells you that they can, it tells you that they are. They are hopeful. So in a sense, the earth has an intelligence. <laughs> there is a spiritual automation on the earth to do a couple of things, and I want to share them, to do three things. Number one, to mirror the state of man's spiritual position. To mirror the state of man's spiritual position. The earth has intelligence to mirror the state of man's spiritual position. So listen, the Bible tells us about the creation of the earth. And it was a crescendo when it comes to relevance and importance. The most important thing was created last, which is man. So everything that was made was made for man. And the Bible clearly and categorically says, and it was good. And then man came. And man fell. 
And this is what God said. He says, cursed be the ground for your sake. It had to affect man. It had to affect the ground what man did. Because the earth has an intelligence to mirror the spiritual condition of man. I will tell you why if I have enough time. But it's true. You have to understand that the fall of man did not just affect man. It affected all created things. And that's why in Romans chapter 8, verse 19, it says the creature is waiting for the manifestation. It's talking about the time of the reconciliation of all things, when we receive our new bodies, when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. You see, even the earth is complaining. Every time there's a tsunami, the earth is complaining. Every time the river goes beyond this bank and destroys houses, it doesn't want to. It's doing that because something is wrong. It was not designed to destroy property, to destroy people. Something is wrong. Not just with the heart of man, but with the earth. And so nature mirrors the spiritual condition of man. Number two, the earth has intelligence. Number two, to desire only to be governed by a spiritual man. To desire only to be governed by spiritual man. The earth knows that when God says be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion, he was talking to a spiritual man. And that the servitude of the earth was to a spiritual man, not to a carnal, wicked man. The earth knows it. It knows its destiny. Jesus said, the meek shall inherit the earth. the earth knows that, that it is people who are submitted to the plan and the agenda of God who are meant to inherit the earth. It knows. Are you with me? Turn the Bibles, Psalm chapter 67, verse 6, very interesting text. I wish I could read the whole chapter to you, it's so good. And it has Messianic properties. It's a Messianic psalm. But Psalm chapter 67, verse 6. Let's read from verse 4. Everybody read from verse 4 to 6. One, two, go. Verse 5. I want you to read verse 5 again. One, two, go. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Verse 6. Loud as again. One, two, go. Then shall the earth yield her increase and God, even our God. Listen, what is the scientific and agricultural correlation between praise and productivity? It makes no sense. It makes no sense scientifically. It makes no sense horticulturally. But it says, let the people praise thee. It says, then the earth shall yield her increase. The earth is engineered to respond to a spiritual man. And that's why when men fell, the earth had to be cursed. And the final thing I want to share with you about this is this. The earth has intelligence to eject or to desire to eject unrighteous people who have possession of it. I take that again. The earth has enough intelligence to eject or to desire to eject Unrighteous people who have possession of it. One more time, Romans 8, 19 says, the endless expectation of the creature waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. Verse 22 says, for we know that the whole creature groaneth and travails in pain together until now. So, there's, there's a complaint going on. 
You might not hear it, but it's there. Grumbling. Because they want only to be ruled by sons. Come on, are you with me? I want you to see something very interesting. A lot of people think that God gave the children of Israel the promised land just out of sheer favoritism, and you are very wrong. Let me show you what happened. Why is it that people were inhabiting a land and God had to remove them from that land so that new people, his children, the Israelites could come in there? I want to show you. Look at Leviticus 18.27. Let's read verse 28. We'll read previous verses afterwards. Leviticus 18, 28. Read it as loud as you can, one, two, go. Do you see that? It says, and if you defile the land, it will vomit you. Seems like personification, but it's spiritual reality. If you defile the land, it will vomit you out of his mouth as it vomited the nations before you. The nations that were there before, what did they do? The Bible tells us. From verse 24, do not defile yourself in any of these ways because this is how the nations that I'm going to drive out before you were defiled. Even the land was defiled. So that I punished it for its sin, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. For all these doings were done by the people who lived in the land, and the land became defiled. So what, what were they doing? They were committing incest. They were committing bestiality, mostly sexual sins. And it says the land became cursed and vomited them. So I said all of that to say this. When God wants to establish his kingdom, he does it not just through his people, but he does it through his space. Are you getting what I'm saying? There is no king without a kingdom. And even though the kingdom, we carry it in our hearts, there must be a space. According to prophecy, where we reign as kings. And listen, even if this will be culminated, you know, and will come to full fulfillment in the last day, if the spirit of that age is in you now, it must be a fervent desire even now. The fact that it won't come to full manifestation until the last day doesn't mean it, should be, it shouldn't be a fervent prayer. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say loud amen, someone. And you have to understand why it is important. Listen, territory is important because without territory, no conviction will thrive. Did you hear what I said? No conviction can thrive and be established without territory. God knew this. And that's why he could have just simply appeared to the children of Israel in Egypt and they will worship him there. Mm -mm. But the instruction was this. Let my people go that they may serve me. There has to be a sacred land. There has to be sacred gatherings. It's important. And so, if you are keen on kingdom discipleship, what you do apart from winning souls is to take territory. I wish I had more time, but just listen to me. Praise the Lord. It's hard to establish any ideology without territory. Let me give you simple examples. Do you realize that in the Bible, when some people got saved, their entire family, it was almost automatic. The Bible tells us, you know, Paul and Silas were in prison. You know, and they prayed, they sang, you know, the prisoners heard them. And all of a sudden, there was an earthquake. The place where they were shook, you know, 
um, and all the chains fell off and the prison doors opened on their own accord. Now, the jailer saw the gates opened. And assuming that Paul and Silas had already run away, he was going to kill himself. You know the story, don't you? And then Paul immediately called from, house, from inside and said, I'm here. Don't hurt yourself. And the man said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul, of course, preached to him. And the Bible says he was saved, he and his house. I want to just give you examples of territory. There is a territory called family. As long as there is a head in a home, there are some things that will never thrive there. Are you getting what I'm saying? I know Abraham. He will command his children after them. It's a requirement for someone who will be a leader in the church. He says he must hold his children with all gravity. Whether you like it or not, it takes a lot more conviction for you to find the light of the gospel in a home where there is no lights. Yes or yes? Ah, territory is important. And for some people, they try to manage it eventually. They have to go out just to nurse their spiritual convictions. It can't thrive there. Family. When Cornelius got saved, even his servants got saved too. These are things we don't really like to talk about. You have to understand the power that money has on conviction. If you try to raise a prayer in your office, nobody might pray. But by lunch, as they're about to eat, say, let's pray. <laughs> what I am telling you, the devil knows it and is using it. Are you getting what I'm saying? The devil knows it. Don't despise the power of money on convictions. So when Cornelius got saved, it was Cornelius that had an encounter. It was Cornelius that sent to Peter. But when Peter came, just by the influence of their leader, they became more disposed. And they believed. And then the Holy Ghost fell on only Cornelius, on all them that heard the word. Some of you know what I'm saying. When you are in a company led by Muslims, and then their fasting period comes. And then they all go to a corner in the office and they are bowing together, worshiping together. They may say there's camaraderie, no problem, we don't mind, but you know that there is, I, some of you know what I'm saying. You know balance. Because there's one of my sons in Abuja. He lives in an estate that has a lot of politicians. And, you know, some of them can be so careless, and sorry to say. So one of them just, um, his wallet fell down. And in that wallet, there was about $5,000. So the guy, you know, was looking for him, got him the next day and said, sir, your wallet. He said, wow. We need men like you in this country. And then the next question was, are you a Christian or a Muslim? He, the man was ready to promote him, give him a job, and you know. Next question, Christian or Muslim? He said, Christian. He said, thank you very much. Don't pretend like you don't know what I'm saying. So now, I know that we are trained to face persecution. You know, your money perish with you and all of that. But when it all comes down to it, <laughs> there is a positioning we must have as a church to avoid unnecessary temptations. Some temptations are unnecessary. Some temptations are unnecessary. In every aspect of life, in relationship, in, do you know what it means? You know, <laughs> can I speak? Your table might shut out. You know, in school, you and this guy fell in love. 
He used to help you, you know, with your academics. He used to help each other. You know, and it was just so nice, you know. Ah, what did you score? I scored an A. I scored an A too. Yeah, you know. He helps me get better. Then one guy comes with a Range Rover. This guy that you met in school, you pray together, you're in fellowship. Oh, so nice. Make I talk, Abby. Uh-huh. You already said I should talk. Oh. Mm-hmm. You already said I should talk. And the guy says, my name is Malam. I'm talking real life issues. And then day one, you said, no, I can't marry, you know, you know, <coughs> convictions. Then your relative is sick. He flies the relative out of the country, gets the relative treated, and you know it is because of him your relative is alive. No, I cannot, you know, conviction. And then favor upon favor, without knowing, you now start saying, ah, but he's a nice man. Is he not the same God? Your goalposts don't change. You don't, you don't scongo. <laughs> and now, you may be quick to blame people. Ah, we celebrate Jesus, that Satan took him to the pinnacle of the temple, showed him all the glories of the world. Do you know what all the glories of the world means? Do you know what all the glories of the world means? That spiritually, all the exposure possible was flashed before his face. Many of you will never experience one millionth of that. You don't understand. Some people who boast, you know, in their ability to stand, it's just lack of exposure. You've not really been tempted. You've not really been tempted. <laughs> All the glories of the world is not 10 billionaire. Are you aware? <laughs> it's not 50. I cannot compromise. Okay, not 10 million. What about 50? I cannot compromise. <laughs> what about 500? I cannot. <laughs> See, mind you, don't forget. What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? It's nothing. But I'm just telling you, for some who are weak, this is their daily temptation. And whether you like it or not, many fail. Many fail. Many fall for this. Are you with me? Okay, let's leave that family matter now. Let's talk about government. You know what Paul said? I've read this to you before. We need to read this again in this context. It's very important and very powerful. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 from verse 1, he says, Therefore I exhort you first of all that supplication, prayers, and intercession, giving of thanks be made for all men. He says, for kings who are in authority. He said, pray for kings who are in authority. And he says, because our lives depend on it. You know what he said? He says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. So when you are praying for them, you are praying for yourself. He says, pray for them that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. If someone at the top just wakes up mad, there will be trouble. Are you with me? And I know that the church should be ready to stand, but it will still hinder growth. Many of the countries that are unresponsive to the gospel, just try it. Let them open their laws and see if the gospel will not prevail. It's taking time in some places because of men. I'm telling you the fact, because of men. If someone will just change the principles, change the laws, let them try. Try. 
just give a fair ground to all religions. I'm not saying, don't even give Christianity an advantage. Give a fair ground and see what will happen to the church. We have the miracles, we have the message, we have everything. But when a country locks its boundaries against the gospel, ah, you may be praying, you know, and you may see some saved. I see, it still breaks my heart. We are celebrating revival. Oh, so there is a secret church, 20 people. Ah, now. So you send 10 missionaries, they kill eight. What if God raises a Daniel? Are you getting what I'm saying? Or raises a Joseph? Is that not something God can do? Territory. Don't joke with it. Right from the book of Genesis, the children of Satan knew this. They're trying to build Tower of Babel. The devil has always been conscious of territory, always been conscious of trying to make a name for himself and for his children. And then the church is playing games, playing small. Do you know some are so blinded by religion that they will hear a sermon like this and be like, oh, why not we just keep praying? And we'll keep praying. I'm just saying there is more. Are you listening to this? What this sermon will do to you is to open, at least open your perspective so that when God gives you an opportunity for influence, you embrace it. Some are so religious, you know, when, when there's an opportunity. Have you seen people who shy away from greatness? They never volunteer for anything important. And then they are wondering why the country is the way it is. We must change our perspective. Amen, someone. Selfless ambition, if not for anything, for the sake of my generation. Because God has dealt with my heart. You know, there are some people, they, their heart is so large, if you throw one billion, bah, it will balance. No shaking. Their character will not move. But some people, if you stone them 10K, <laughs> They will just stumble. <laughs> you know, I was watching a meme, you know, with all these video interviews. He said, can you remove your shirt and go to that junction and come back? He said, guy, for how much? He said, 10,000. Make it 20. I go, come out, Rosa. Can God find people who can handle greatness, still keep their humility, still ward their resources as an envoy for the propagation of the gospel? If he can find people like that in this church, get ready for miracles, even if you are not ready. Because that's the paradox in the Bible. When God finds selfless people, he elevates them. When God comes to Solomon in the night and says, what do you want? Ask me. And he asks something selfless. God will still give you money. Because there is something about selflessness that attracts resources. Don't forget, it says, the meek shall inherit the earth. That changes our definition of meekness. Meekness doesn't mean lowness. Meekness doesn't mean that you exonerate yourself from anything great, anything worthwhile. The meek shall inherit the earth. So meekness... Is great power under control that you own everything and you're still under the subjection of the word of God. Say loud, amen. amen. So there's a lot of false humility and false religion out there. Meanwhile, the Bible says the meek shall inherit the earth. So you can be so humble to the word of God, to the cause of Christ, and yet you have a selfless ambition. You can conquer the world and still be humble. The writer in Proverbs called it durable riches and righteousness. You have money that can stand the test of time and you still have your head on your shoulders. Say amen if I'm talking to you. Turn your Bibles, Ecclesiastes chapter 9 from verse 14. 
I'll just talk about this finally, build my final case, and then we get ready to. Are you ready to pray? Do you believe in favor? You believe that favor can come upon you, right? Uh huh. Do you believe that anything dramatic, positively dramatic, can happen to you this year? That by wisdom, just by strange and rare opportunity, you find an avenue to change your life forever. You know, that lady sent me a voice note. You know, she was crying. She said, my life has changed. My life has changed. My life has... I told you, when I was preaching in Abuja and I said, I came to bless you. I said, mark my words. Did I not say it? Now she's crying the next day. My life has changed. Ah, this God. This God. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 from verse 14. It says, there was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it, besieged it, and built great bulwarks against it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man. And he had, and he by his wisdom delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, a poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. Did you read that? Wisdom is better than strength, but a poor man's wisdom is what? Listen, if we are in the business of discipleship, so winning, the gospel is the wisdom of God. And thank God for miracles and all the great avenues he has given us. We will never be without advantage. Now, if you're here and you don't have resources, don't wait till you have resources to start doing the work of ministry. You have another advantage, miracles. And the message itself has power. But hey, with resources, all those people you see on the internet, many of them that just became famous, they are being bankrupt. Now, let me tell you this. The media has shown us that you can be famous with no value to offer. I'm saying it respectfully. That you can just gather people in a house for just vibes. And then when they leave the house, without any hit song, anything to their name, they can become celebrities. And outclass people who have been working for donkey years. Because when it all comes down to it, visibility takes resources home. Are you listening to me? Visibility takes resources. I'm saying that respectfully. A poor man's wisdom will not be what? Answer me now. It will not be heard or it will be despised. I want you to desire this with selfless ambition. Ah, it will take resources to keep the gospel before the eyes of people. And because we are warring for their souls, don't, for, don't forget, listen, all these other people, their content is warring for the same soul. So it should bother us, the visibility they have. It should Don't look away. It matters. When you see the fickleness, the silliness, it should bother you. Because whether you like it or not, you are competing for the same hearts. Competing for the same hearts. It's a competition. The Bible says... Don't you know that many run a race, but one receives the prize? Run that you may obtain. So you must see your race for effectiveness in ministry as an opposition to some other people and their efforts. Every tree that our Heavenly Father has not planted must be what? So as a round of I just want to give you four simple principles, 
for futuring. Four simple principles for futuring. How can God walk with me to take tomorrow? How? The first is vision. The first is what? When God implants a vision in your heart, no matter how difficult, no matter how impossible it seems, he puts a vision in your spirit that, hey, shepherd boy called Moses, you may be a stammerer, but I'm going to make you a prophet, a deliverer of Israel, that you will bring out millions of people from captivity. It seems impossible to the natural man. How can you stand up against the world power in Egypt with no weapons, just the voice of God and a rod that he anointed? Vision. It all starts from believing it is possible. Let me tell you something. Everyone who has any production of wickedness, any design, any system of wickedness, has the same brain God gave you. If the church should just wake up and decide, <laughs> what makes the people who try to build Babel more special than you? It's just intent. It's just intent. God saw that nothing can hinder them from what they are determined to do. It's just, determ just vision. We are going to do this. Stop complaining and do something. Hallelujah. Listen, we must be the best content creators of the coming generation. Are you listening to me? Content creators arise. Make cartoons and for God's sake, do them well. Make movies and let them, listen, let them touch current happenings. You know, sometimes even when we want to do movies, anyway, I don't want to say this again. For we just... It's always about which is a cuckoo lake. Why? What is the problem? Who do us this thing? Make movies that can sell anywhere in the world, that can touch real life issues, that can spark conversations, that can make people see things from a different perspective. Make movies, make cartoons. Put content out there. Influence. We are warring for the hearts of men. We are warring. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. Hallelujah. Listen. To, I said all of that to say this. And this is where vision comes in. The church, many times, things so small. You know what many people pray for in church? A job. A car a house and the people of the world are gathering together to build systems to make a name you want a car they are looking for a name the people who are going to build Babel said we want to make a name for ourselves we want to build a, a skyscraper that would touch the touch heaven by the way heaven was metaphorical not the heaven where God dwells. So some people, I don't know where we got the silly idea that they were talking about, you know, overthrowing God in heaven. Doesn't make sense. <laughs> it's silly. It's a figure of speech. There are three heavens. The heavens where um, birds fly, all right? So they were talking about the mighty skyscraper. And that spiritual significance, it was meant to be a portal. They were not trying to get men to heaven. They were trying to get heaven to the earth. It was supposed to be a, a temple, a spiritual portal for demons and false gods to interact with humanity. His story for another day. But the point is, they came together with determination. And even God, the living God said, nothing can stop them. If you make up your mind that you're going to change your industry, with the anointing you have, with the spirit you have, you will do a lot. So, but you have to move past survival mentality. See, now, it is one thing for God to raise up Moses. It is another thing for Moses to convince the children of Israel successfully. Because those ones are like, ah, they are giving us locusts. They are giving us pepper. Let's manage it all. All these grandiose plans. What do you mean that God will set us free? 
Please don't put us in trouble. And even when they tried to listen to him, when Pharaoh got angry and multiplied their burdens, they said, is this not what we were saying? Is this not what we were saying? It takes selflessness to lose satisfaction of where you are and embrace the vision of God for the future. Some of you, the reason why you have not embraced God's vision is the convenience of the present. Because you want to plant a multinational company, build a multinational company, but you have a nine to five now. <laughs> and the job security will not allow you to hear from God. I know I'm talking to someone. Until you develop the boldness, no matter the prophecy on your life, greater life and greater light and all those things, it won't work. It will take boldness. Because, hey, if you are going to go to a land flowing with milk and honey, you're going to have to stand up to Pharaoh. You're going to have to stand up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Some of us, is a trying time we have to stand up to. Some of us, it's a good time that is preventing us from the best time. Just convenience. Too lackadaisical. No, no, no compelling dream for the future. Put aside the good so that best can come. Say loud amen. amen. Lift your hand and say, I receive God's best for my life. Say from your spirit, I receive God's best for my life. Say, I refuse to settle. I refuse to be complacent. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Listen, speak in tongues for 20 seconds. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Speak in tongues. Kalamanda rapakatonge sataria manekopos. Bruta kapaya. Kemande repatale koshete remahaya. Entonsi manekapa. Brutekene materi manekushetea. Esotokaya. Aratongre sepa. Belle monde, le commando coponde repetegia, Ruse. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. All right, you're going to need vision. Number two is going to take excellence. It's going to take excellence. It's going to take excellence. You see, some of you don't understand this simple principle. Your industry is so saturated, yet you are so mediocre. How do you rise in an industry that is already so saturated and you want to do things that are ordinary and expect to stand out? Grace will not work for the lazy. Are you listening to me? Grace will not work. Listen, I want you to trust God for ideas, an approach that is irresistible. So that even pagan kings will look at you and say, an excellent spirit is on you. For upon you dwells the spirit of the holy God. Listen, you must bring something superior. Excellence. Excellence. Sit down and look at your craft very well. Benchmark properly. Listen, because you have the spirit of God inspiring you. You know what the Lord told me? I said this, I think, June last year. He said, your inspiration is from a realm where there is no time. He said, so where everything you do must be timeless. Did you hear what I said? Everything you do must be timeless. Timeless. Don't write a song and people move past it easy. See, even 10 years after, when people listen to it, it must stare them. You know, they must be like, who is this? What is this? Not just in the inspiration, but in the presentation. Give it your best, for God's sake. Timeless. Everything divine is excellent. Everything divine has a scientific technology beyond the imaginations of man. If God is your inspiration, it must show. You must outclass anything mediocre. Do it for God. Do it for his kingdom. Let me tell you this. You see, 
when you see these secular people, the efforts that they make, sometimes in the apps that you use, before you finish complaining, ah, I wish this thing was done, you will see a new update. They are always improving something, always changing something. What about you? What about your business? What if you had that same approach? I must improve something. Listen, every week improve something about yourself. Every week. Change something. It's a new year now. A new year presents you with the opportunity of a new beginning to change your approach, to tweak something, to give it a fresh approach. Accept criticism. Accept advice. Are you with me? Excellent. When you come with an approach that has never been seen before, you will rise. Nobody can stop. See, nobody hates excellence. Make up your mind. In this, my industry, I want to do it excellently. Say loud, amen. amen. I want every member of this church to be a Daniel. Let me tell you, when it comes to prophetic accuracy, Daniel was one of the most foremost prophets in the Old Testament. The prophecies he gave about Christ and his second coming are about the most profound. Go and read about the 70 weeks of Daniel. Profound. He understood by books. And yet he was a politician. Are you listening to this? He was not in a Bible school. He was a politician. A prophet and a politician. An anointed man of God, politician. Same thing with Joseph. Don't let anybody sell you an idea that desiring to impact your world is carnal. Abominate that idea. For you, your testimony is durable riches and righteousness. Say loud, amen. I said it's durable riches and righteousness. Ha! You will stand firm on both legs. I've seen a lot of poor people who don't have sense. And I've seen a lot of rich people who have sense. I've said this before. One of the richest men I've ever seen, you know, close. I went to his house. His house is a four-story building. They use lifts in the house. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about in his, to, from the bedroom to the living room. His lift, though. They have servants, you know, and all of that. But when it comes to cooking, the children still cook and clean. So as we entered, the daughter of this billionaire was mopping. And as I, my wife and I entered, and she did the courtesy. and said, welcome, sir. Welcome, ma. I was like, this is beautiful. What kind of family is this? It's possible. Are you listening to me? It's possible. Say, that's my life. Come on, I said, say, that's my life. The third thing, as I begin to round off, is prayer. Listen, and I've said it before, we're praying, we're fasting. I'm tired. I've done four camp meetings. In case you have not reckoned. Portacot, Abuja, Lagos, Ibadan. I need to eat, I need to rest. I'm going to balance everything. But you see, there is, this year has to be different. So I'm very likely more tired than you are. But I'm going to fast. See, even if I'm not even putting any time cap, even though God will be looking at you. Man of God, you are praying for a ministry that will change the world. You are joining people to fast too. Eh? And you want to share, you want a mind, a, a, a transformational ministry around the world. <laughs> no, don't deceive yourself. But listen, till we are done, even if it is four, two, one, just make it count. Praise the Lord. Anything before 12, you didn't fast, just skip breakfast. Amen, someone. Give it, make sure you pray. 
Our direction can come from prayer. Are you listening to me? Who is going to receive direction this week? Hey, it says as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Ghost will tell you something this week. He will give you supernatural direction this week. The Holy Ghost said, ah, that's my life. That's my testimony. The Holy Ghost talks to me. I receive direction, supernatural direction by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And then the last thing is praise. Don't forget. It says, then shall the earth yield her increase. It says, God, even our God, shall bless us. It says, God shall bless us and the ends of the earth shall fear him. Listen, I want you to put aside complaining and start praising God. It doesn't matter the challenges that you are facing. Don't let it affect your praise. Don't let it affect your posture of thankfulness. Are you with me? Even if you look at the formidable wall of Jericho, obey the instructions of God. Just go around praising. 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 Bring out your horn and your harp and go around praising. I'm telling you, those walls can fall down flat. They might not respond to weapons, but they will respond to praise. Say loud amen if you believe. A posture. It will birth a new dimension of creativity in your life. Father, I thank you that you hear me always. You see that in Jesus. It sparks up creative miracles, thankfulness. Listen, practice it in your life. Learn to stop at intervals and just thank God. Jesus was like that. Jesus would be talking to people. He would take a moment and just look to heaven and thank God. And God will reply. <laughs> what a life. You see, when you have a posture of thankfulness, you will hear God more often. He will respond. Maybe the reason why you don't hear God a lot is because you're always complaining. Thank Him more. Thank Him more. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.